Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we will read chapters 35 and 36. Now in the last episode we read chapters 33 and 34 and it was from Piper's perspective. Piper finally woke up from having hypothermia and was cured by Nectar and Coach Hedge with his magic or as he likes to call it sports medicine. The trio get back up and try to find the Hunters of Artemis to see if they can possibly provide a clue on Hera's whereabouts and where they need to go next. Along the way, Piper finally tells Leo and Jason about her Enceladus situation, to which Leo and Jason are fully supportive of Piper and agree to help her in whatever way they can. Now, this, of course, strengthens their bonding, and along the trip, they, you know discuss any types of strategies in order to defeat Enceladus but in the meantime they hear the howls of a upcoming approaching wolf pack and they try to fend them off but unfortunately they uh, they fail to do so and they meet Lycan who calls himself the king of the wolves now they eventually corner the trio to into a uh, and are very close to eating them but the hundreds of artemis are actually they come to save the day with their arrows they're able to hit the wolves with the silver arrows and are able to chase them away in order to um finally meet the trio that is destined to save hera and we also notice in the last chapter that jason said finally tells um Talia, the leader of the uh, Hunters of Artemis, that Jason is her long-lost brother. So now we're going to read from Leo's perspective, chapter 35. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Chapter 35, Leo. Leo figured he had the worst luck in the group, and that was saying a lot. Why didn't he get to have the long-lost sister or the movie star dad who needed rescuing? All he got was a tool belt and a dragon that broke down halfway through the quest. Maybe it was the stupid curse of the Hephaestus cabin. But Leo didn't think so. His life had been unlucky way before he got to camp. A thousand years from now, when this quest was being told around a campfire, he figured people would talk about brave Jason, beautiful Piper, and their sidekick flaming Valdez, who accompanied them with a bag of magic screwdrivers and occasionally fixed tofu burgers. If that wasn't bad enough, Leo fell in love with every girl he saw, as long as she was totally out of his league. When he first saw to, when he first saw Talia, Leo immediately thought she was way too pretty to be Jason's sister. Then he thought he'd better not say that, or he'd get in trouble. He liked her dark hair, her blue eyes, and her confident attitude. She looked like the kind of girl who could stomp anybody on the ball court or battlefield, and wouldn't give Leo the time of day. Just Leo's type. For a minute, Jason and Talia faced each other, stunned. Then Talia rushed forward and hugged him. My God, she told me you were dead. She gripped Jason's face and seemed to be examining everything about it. Thank Artemis it is you. That little scar on your lip? You tried to eat a stapler when you were two. Leo laughed. (laughs) Seriously? Hedge nodded like he approved of Jason's taste. Staplers. Excellent source of iron. Wait, Jason stammered. Who told you I was dead? What happened? At the cave entrance, one of the white wolves barked. Talia looked back at the wolf and nodded, but she kept her hands on Jason's face, like she was afraid he might vanish. 
My wolf is telling me I don't have much time. And she's right. But we have to talk. Let's sit. Piper did better than that. She collapsed. She would have cracked her head on the cave if Hedge didn't, hadn't caught her. Talia rushed over. What's wrong with her? Ah, never mind, I see. Hypothermia. Ankle. She frowned at the satyr. Don't you know nature healing? Hedge scoffed. Ah, what do you think she looks this good? Can't you smell the Gatorade? Talia looked at Leo for the first time, and of course it was an accusatory glare. Like, why did you let the goat be a doctor? As if that was Leo's fault. You and the satyr, Talia ordered. Take this girl to my friend at the entrance. Phoebe's an excellent healer. It's cold out there, Hedge said. I'll freeze my horns off. But Leo knew when they weren't wanted. Come on, Hedge. These two need, to th- need time to talk. Huh, fine. The satyr muttered. Don't even get to brain anybody. Hedge carried Piper toward the entrance. Leo was about to follow when Jason called. Actually, man, could you um stick around? Leo saw something in Jason's eyes he didn't expect. Jason was asking for support. He wanted somebody else there. He was scared. Leo grinned. Sticking around his mask, specialty. Talia didn't look too happy about it, but the three of them sat at the fire. For a few minutes, for a few minutes, nobody spoke. Jason studied his sister like she was a scary device, one that might explode if handled incorrectly. Talia seemed more at ease, as if she was used to stumbling across stranger things than long-lost relatives. But still, she regarded Jason in kind of an amazed trance, maybe remembering a little two-year-old who tried to eat a stapler. Leah took two. Uh, Leah took a few pieces of copper wire out of his pocket and twisted them together. Finally, he couldn't stand the silence. So, the hunters of Artemis, this whole not dating thing—is that always? Is that like always or more of a seasonal thing or what? Talia stared at him as if he just evolved from pond scum. Yeah, he was definitely liking this girl. Jason kicked him in the shin. Don't mind Leo, he's just trying to break the ice. But Talia, what happened to our family? Who told you I was dead? Talia tugged at a silver bracelet on her wrist. In the firelight in her winter camouflage, she almost looked like Keon the Snow Princess. Just as cold and beautiful. Do you remember anything? She asked. Jason shook his head. I woke up three days ago on a bus with Leo and Piper. Which wasn't our fault, Leo added hastily. Hera stole his memories. Talia tensed. Hera? How do you know that? Jason explained about their quest, the prophecy at camp, Hera getting imprisoned, the giant taking Piper's dad, and the winter solstice deadline. Leo chimed in to add the important stuff, how he'd fix the bronze dragon, throw fireballs, and excellent tacos. Talia was a good listener. Nothing seemed to surprise her. The monsters, the prophecies, the dead rising. But when Jason mentioned King Midas, she cursed an ancient Greek. I knew we should have burned down his mansion, she said. That man's a menace. But we are so intent on fighting and following Lycaon. Well, I'm glad you got away. So Hera's been, what, hiding you all these years? I don't know. Jason brought out the photo from his pocket. She left me just enough memory to recognize your face. Talia looked at the picture, and her expression softened. I forgot about that. I left it in cabin one, didn't I? Jason nodded. I think Hera wanted us to meet. When we landed here at this cave, I had a feeling it was important, like I knew you were close by. Is that crazy? 
Nah, Leo assured him. We were absolutely destined to meet your hot sister. Tali ignored him. Probably she just didn't want to let on how much Leo impressed her. Jason, she said, when you're dealing with gods, nothing is too crazy. But you can't trust Hera, especially since we're children of Zeus. She hates all children of Zeus. But she said it's something about Zeus giving her my life as a peace offering. Does that make any sense? The color drained from Talia's face. Oh, gods. Mother wouldn't have... You don't remember... No, of course you don't. What? Jason asked. Talia's features seemed to grow older in the firelight, like her immortality wasn't working so well. Jason, I'm not sure how to say this. Our mom wasn't exactly stable. She caught Zeus's eye because she was a television actress, and she was beautiful. But she didn't handle the fame well. She drank, pulled stupid stunts. She was always in the tabloids. She could never get enough attention. Even before you were born, she and I argued all the time. She... She knew dad was Zeus, and I think that was too much for her to take. It was like the ultimate achievement for her to attract the lord of the sky, and she couldn't accept it when he left. The thing about the gods, well, they don't hang around. Leah remembered his own mom, the way she'd assured him over and over that his dad would be back someday. But she never acted mad about it. She didn't want Hephaestus, she didn't seem to want Hephaestus for herself. Only so Leah could know his father. She dealt with working a dead-end job, living in a tiny apartment, never having enough money, and she'd seem fine with it. As long as she had Leo, she always said life would be okay. He watched Jason's face, looking more and more devastated as Talia described their mother. And for once, Leo didn't feel jealous of his friend. Leo might have lost his mom. He might have had some hard times, but at least he remembered her. He found himself taping out a Morse code message on his knee. Love you. He felt bad for Jason, not having memories like that, not having anything to fall back on. So, Jason didn't seem to be able to finish the question. Jason, you got friends, Leo told him. Now you got a sister. You're not alone. Talia offered her hand, and Jason took it. When I was about seven, she said, Zeus started visiting mom again. I think he felt bad about wrecking her life, and he seemed different somehow, a little older and sterner, more fatherly toward me. For a while, Mom improved. She loved having Zeus around, bringing her presents, causing the sky to rumble. She always wanted more attention. That's the year you were born. Mom, well, I never got along with her, but you gave me a reason to hang out, hang around. You were so cute. And I didn't trust mom to look after you. Of course, Zeus eventually stopped coming by again. He probably couldn't stand mom's demands anymore, always pestering him to let her visit Olympus or to make her immortal or eternally beautiful. When he left for good, mom got more and more unstable. That was about the time the monsters started attacking me. Mom blamed Hera. She claimed the goddess was coming after you too. That Hera had barely tolerated my birth, but two demigod children from the same family was too big of an insult. Mom even said she hadn't wanted to name you Jason, but Zeus insisted, as a way to appease Hera because the goddess liked that name. I didn't know what to believe. Leo fiddled with his copper wires. He felt like an intruder. He shouldn't be listening to this, but it also made him feel like he was getting to know Jason for the first time. 
Like maybe being here now made up those made up the for those four months at the wilderness school when Leo just imagined they had a friendship. How did you guys get separated? he asked. Talia squeezed her brother's hand. If I'd known you were alive, God, things would have been so different. But you were when you were two, mom packed us in the car for a family vacation. We drove up north toward the wine country. To this park she wanted to show us. I remember it was strange because mom never took us anywhere. And she was acting super nervous. I was holding your hand, walking you toward this big building in the middle of the park, and she took a shaky breath. Mom told me to go back to the car and get the picnic basket, but it was only a few minutes. When I came back, mom was kneeling on the stone steps, hugging herself and crying. She said, she said you were gone. She said Hera claimed you when you were good as dead. I didn't know what she'd done. I was afraid she'd completely lost her mind. I ran all over the place looking for her, but you just vanished. She had to drag me away, like she had to drag me away, kicking and screaming. For the next few days, I was hysterical. I don't remember everything, but I called the police on mom and they questioned her for a long time. Afterward, we fought. She told me I betrayed her and that I should support her. Like she was the only one who mattered. Finally, I couldn't stand it. Your disappearance was the last straw. I ran away from home and I never went back. Not even when mom died a few years ago. I thought you were gone forever. I never told anyone about you. Not even Annabeth or Luke. My two best friends. It was just too painful. Kyra knew. Jason's voice sounded far away. When I got to the camp, he took one look at me and said, You should be dead. That doesn't make sense, Tali insisted. I never told him. Hey, Leo said. Important thing is you've got each other now, right? You two are lucky. Talia nodded. Leo's right. Look at you. You're my age. You've grown up. But where have I been? Jason said. How could I be missing all that time? And the Roman stuff? Talia frowned. The Roman stuff? Your brother speaks Latin, Leo said. He calls gods by their Roman names and he's got tattoos. Leo pointed out the marks on Jason's arm. Then he gave Talia the rundown about the other weird stuff that happened. Boreas turning into Achilon, Lycan calling J- Jason child of Rome, and the wolves backing off when Jason spoke Latin to them. Talia plucked her bowstring. Latin? Zeus? Sometimes spoke Latin. The second time he stayed with mom. Like I said, he seemed different, more formal. You think he was in his Roman aspect? Jason asked, and that's why I think of myself as a child of Jupiter? Possibly, Talia said. I've never heard of something like that happening. But it might explain why you think in Roman terms, why you can speak Latin rather than ancient Greek. That would make you unique. Still, it doesn't explain how you survived without Camp Half-Blood. A child of Zeus or Jupiter or whatever you want to call him, you would have been hounded by monsters. If you were on your own, you should have died years ago. I know I would have been able to survive without friends. You would have needed training, a safe haven. He wasn't alone, Leo blurted. We've heard about others like him. Talia looked at him strangely. What do you mean? Leo told her about the slashed up purple shirt in Medea's department store. And the story the Cyclops told about the child of Mercury who spoke Latin. Isn't there anywhere else for demigods? 
Leo asked. I mean, besides Camp Half-Blood. Maybe some crazy Latin teacher has been abducting children of the gods or something, making them think like Romans. As soon as he said it, Leo realized how stupid the idea sound sounded. Talia's dazzling blue eyes studied him intently, making him feel like a suspect in a lineup. I've been all over the country, Talia mused. I've never seen evidence of a crazy Latin teacher or demigods in purple shirts still. Her voice trailed off like she just had a troubling thought. What? Jason asked. Talia shook her head. I'll have to talk to the goddess. Maybe Artemis will guide us. She's still talking to you? Jason asked. Most of the gods have gone silent. Artemis follows her own rules, Talia said. She has to be careful not to let Zeus know. But she thinks Zeus is being ridiculous closing Olympus. She's the one who set us on the trail of Lycan. She said we'd find a lead to a missing friend of ours. Percy Jackson, Leo guessed. The guy Annabeth is looking for. Talia nodded, her face full of concern. Leo wondered if anyone had ever looked that worried all the time he's disappeared. He kind of doubted it. So what would Lycan have to do with it? Leo asked. And how does it connect to us? We need to find out soon, Talia admitted. If your deadline is tomorrow, we're wasting time. Aeolus could tell you. The white wolf appeared again at the door and yipped instantly. I have to get moving, Talia stood. Otherwise, I'll lose the hunt other hunter's trail. First, though, I'll take you to Aeolus's palace. If you can, it's okay, Jason said, though he sounded kind of distressed. Oh, please, Talia smiled and helped him up. I haven't had a brother in years. I think I can stand a few minutes with you before you get annoying. Now let's go. And that's the end of chapter 35. I'm really glad that Talia and Jason were able to catch up with each other. And they may even be able to, and hopefully Artemis is able to provide some answers about, you know, Jason and him being so connected more with Rome and, you know, Roman names and every uh, and anything near that than compared to the Greeks. So maybe this might give us a clue on possibly another camp existing, you know, maybe Camp Half-Blood is not only the only camp that exists there, and maybe that also might tell us where Percy Jackson is. But we'll have to see. Um, in the next chapter after this break, we'll read chapter 36, Leo, and hopefully we might get some more information on, you know, the trio meeting Aeolus and Aeolus providing some uh, insight into where Hera possibly is. So until then, after this break, we're going to read chapter 36, Leo. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 36, Leo. When Leo saw how well Piper and Hedge were being treated, he was thoroughly offended. He'd imagined them freezing their hindquarters off in the snow, but the hunter Phoebe had set up this silver tent pavilion right thing, thing right outside the cave. How'd she done it so fast? Leo had no idea. But inside was a kerosene heater keeping them toasty warm and a bunch of comfy throw pillows. Piper looked back to normal, decked out in a new parka, gloves, and camo pants like a hunter. She and Hedge and Phoebe were kicking back, drinking hot chocolate. Oh, no way! Leo said, we've been sitting in a cave and you get the luxury tent? Somebody give me hypothermia, I want hot chocolate and a parka. Phoebe sniffed. Boys, she said it like it was the worst insult she could think of. It's alright, Phoebe. 
Talia said. They'll need extra coats, and I think we can spare some chocolate. Phoebe grumbled, but soon Leo and Jason were also dressed in silvery winter clothes that, in- that were incredibly lightweight and warm. The hot chocolate was first rate. Cheers, said Coach Hedge. He crunched down his plastic thermos cup. That cannot be good for your intestines, Leo said. Talia patted Piper on the back. You up for moving? Piper nodded. Thanks to Phoebe, yeah. You guys are really good at this wilderness survival thing. I feel like I could run run 10 miles. Talia winked at Jason. She's tough for a child of Aphrodite. I like this one. Hey, I could run 10 miles too, Leo volunteered. Tough Hephaestus kid here. Let's hit it. Naturally, Talia ignored him. It took Phoebe exactly six seconds to break camp, which Leo could not believe. The tent self-collapsed into a square the size of a pack of chewing gum. Leo wanted to ask her for the blueprints, but they didn't have time. Talia ran uphill through the snow, hugging in a tiny little path on the side of the mountain, and soon Leo was regretting trying to look macho, because the hunters left him in the dust. Coach Hedge leaped around like a happy mountain goat, coaxing them on like he used to do on track days at school. Come on, Valdez, pick up the pace. Let's chant. I've got a girl in Kalamazoo. Let's not, Talia snapped. So they ran in silence. Leo fell in next to Jason at the back of the group. How you doing, man? Jason's expression was enough of an answer. Not good. Talia takes it so calmly, Jason said. Like it's no big deal that I appeared. I didn't know what I was expecting, but she's not like me. She's so much more together. Hey, she's not fighting amnesia, Leo said. Plus, she's had more time to get used to this whole demigod thing. You fight monsters and talk to gods for a while. You'll probably get used to surprises. Maybe, Jason said. I just wish I understood what happened when I was two. Why my mom got rid of me. Talia ran away because of me. Hey, whatever's happened, it wasn't your fault and your sister's pretty cool. She's a lot like you. Jason took that in silence. Leo wondered if he said the right things. He wanted to make Jason feel better, but this is way outside his comfort zone. Leo wished he could reach inside his tool belt and pick just the right wrench to fix Jason's memory. Maybe a little hammer, bonk the sticking pot, and make everything run right. That would be a lot easier than trying to talk it through. Not good with organic life forms. Thanks for those inherited traits, Dad. He was so lost in thought, he didn't realize the hunters had stopped. He slammed into Talia and nearly sent them both down the side of the mountain, the hard way. Fortunately, the hunter was light on her feet. She steadied them both, then pointed up. That, (coughs) Leo choked, is a really large rock. They stood near the summit of Pike's Peak. Below them, the world was blanketed in clouds. The air was so thin, Leo could hardly breathe. Night had set in, but a full moon shone and the stars were incredible. Stretching out to the north and south, peaks of other mountains rose from the clouds like islands or teeth. But the real show was above them. Hovering in the sky about a quarter mile away was a massive free-floating island of glowing purple stone. It was hard to judge its size, but Leo figured it was at least as wide as a football stadium and just as tall. The sides were rugged cliffs riddled with caves, and every once in a while, a gust of wind burst out with a sound like a pipe organ blast. At the top of the rock, brass walls ring some kind of a fortress. The only thing connecting Pike's Peak to the floating island was a narrow bridge of ice that glistened in the moonlight. Then Leo realized the bridge wasn't exactly ice. 
because it wasn't solid. As the winds changed direction, the bridge snaked around, blurring and thinning, in some places even breaking into a dotted line like the vapor trail of a plane. We're not seriously crossing that, Leo said. Talia shrugged. I'm not a big fan of heights, I'll admit, but if you want to get to Aeolus' fortress, this is the only way. Is the fortress always hanging there? Piper asked. How can people not notice it sitting on top of Pike's Peak? The mist, Talia said. Still, mortals do notice it indirectly. Some days, Pike's Peak looks purple. Some people say it's trick of the light, but actually it's the color of Aeolus' palace reflecting off the mountain face. It's enormous, Jason said. Talia laughed. <laughs> you should see Olympus, brother, little brother. You're serious? You've been there? Talia grimaced as if it wasn't a good memory. We should go across in two different groups. The bridge is fragile. That's reassuring, Leo said. Jason, can't you just fly us up there? Talia laughed. Then she seemed to realize Leo's question wasn't a joke. Wait. Jason, you can fly? Jason gazed up at the floating fortress. Well, sort of. More like I can control the winds. But the winds up here are so strong. I mean, I'm not sure I'd want to try. Talia, you mean you can't fly? For a second, Talia looked genuinely afraid. Then she got her expression under control. Leah realized she was a lot more scared of heights than she was letting on. Truthfully, she said, I've never tried. Might be better if we stuck to the bridge. Coach Hedge tapped the ice vapor trail with his hoof and then jumped onto the bridge. Amazingly, it held his weight. Easy, I'll go first. Piper, come on, girl, I'll give you a hand. No, that's okay, Piper started to say, but the coach grabbed her hand and dragged her up, up the bridge. When they were about halfway, the bridge still seemed to be holding them just fine. Talia turned to her hunter friend, Phoebe. I'll, Phoebe, I'll be back soon. Go find the others and tell them I'm, my, I'm on my way. You sure? Phoebe narrowed her eyes at Leo and Jason like they might kidnap Talia or something. It's fine, Talia promised. Phoebe nodded reluctantly, then raced down the mountain path the, the white wolves at her heels. Jason, Leo, just be careful where you step, Talia said. It hardly ever breaks. It hasn't met me yet, Leo muttered, but he and Jason led the way up the bridge. Halfway up, things went wrong, and of course, it was Leo's fault. Piper and Hedge had already made it safely to the top and were waving at them and encouraging them to keep climbing, but Leo got distracted. He was thinking about bridges, how he would design something way more stable than this, shifting ice vapor business if this, was, if this were his palace. He was pondering braces and support columns, then a sudden revelation stopped him in his tracks. Why do they have a bridge? He asked. Talia frowned. Leo, this isn't a good place to stop. What do you mean? They're wind spirits, Leo said. Can't they fly? Yes, but sometimes they need a way to connect to the world below. So the bridge isn't always here? Leo asked. Talia shook her head. The wind spirits don't like to anchor to the earth, but sometimes it's necessary. Like now, they know you're coming. Leo's mind was racing. He was so excited he could almost feel his body temperature rising. He couldn't quite put his thoughts into words, but he knew he was onto something important. Leo, Jason said, what are you thinking? Oh, gods, Talia said, keep moving, look at your feet. Leo shuffled backward. With horror, he realized his body temperature really was rising. 
just as as it had years ago at that picnic table under the pecan tree when his anger had gone away from him. Now excitement was causing the reaction. His pants steamed in the cold air. His shoes were literally smoking and the bridge didn't like it. The ice was thinning. Leo, stop it, Jason warned. You're going to melt it. I'll try, Leo said, but his body was overheating on its own, running as fast as his thoughts. Listen, Jason, what did Hera call you in that dream? She called you a bridge. Leo, seriously, cool down, Talia said. I don't know what you're talking about, but the bridge is... Just listen, Leo insisted. If Jason is a bridge, what is he connecting? Maybe two different places that normally don't get along, like the air palace and the ground. You have to be somewhere before this, right? And Hera said you were an exchange. An exchange. Talia's eyes widened. Oh, gods. Jason frowned. What are you two talking about? Talia murmured something like a prayer. I understand now why Artemis sent me here. Jason, she told me to hunt for Lycan and I would find a clue about Percy. You are the clue. Artemis wanted us to meet so I could hear your story. I don't understand, he protested. I don't have a story. I don't remember anything. But Leo's right, Talia said. It's all connected. If we just knew where... Leo snapped his fingers. Jason, what did you call that place in your dream? The ruined house? The wolf house? Talia nearly choked. (coughs) The wolf house? Jason, why didn't you tell me that that's where they're keeping Hera? You know where it is? Jason asked. Then the bridge dissolved. Leo would have fallen to his death, but Jason grabbed his coat and pulled him to safety. The two of them scrambling up the bridge. And when they turned, Talia was on the other side of the 30-foot chasm. The bridge was continuing to melt. Go! Talia shouted, backing down the bridge as it crumbled. Find out where the giant is keeping Piper's dad. Save him! I'll take the hunters to the wolf house and hold it until you can get there. We can do both! But where is the wild wolf house? Jason shouted. You know where it is, little brother. She was so far away now, they could barely hear her voice over the wind. Leo was pretty sure she said, I'll see you there, I promise. Then she turned and raised down the dissolving bridge. Leo and Jason had no time to stand around. They climbed for their lives, the ice vapor thinning under their feet. Several times, Jason grabbed Leo and used the winds to keep them aloft, but it was more like bungee jumping than flying. When they reached the floating island, Piper and Coach Hedge pulled him aboard just as the last of the vapor bridge vanished. They stood gasping for breath at the base of a stone stairway chiseled into the side of the cliff, leading up to the fortress. Leo looked back down. The top of Pike's Peak floated below them in a sea of clouds, but there was no sign of Talia, and Leo had just burned their only exit. What happened? Piper demanded. Leo, why are your clothes smoking? I got a little heated? He gasped. (gasps) Sorry, Jason. Honest, I didn't... It's all right, Jason said, but his expression was grim. We've got less than 24 hours to rescue a goddess and Piper's dad. Let's go see the king of the winds. And that's the end of chapter 36. I think Talia is getting Talia is getting really, really close to finding out the um, connection between Jason's ma- memories being lost and also finding Hera because they might be intertwined with each other as they said in the in the chapter and it might be that they may have it's it's a possible theory but they may have exchanged percy and jason Hera may have exchanged the both of them but i'm not exact i i 
don't know why Hera would do that, but we're just gonna have to find out. And it seems that Artemis knows where this wolf house is, and if they can, if the trio can possibly go there, it can possibly it can possibly save both the quest and his memories. So next week we'll probably we will read chapters thirty seven and thirty eight, and we'll and we will see more clarity on this. Uh, interaction between Aeolus and the trio and hopefully Aeolus is able to help the trio into finding where Hera is so until next week we're gonna read chapter we'll read chapter 37 and again if you guys really if you guys want to support me this is again optional you guys can go to the description of my podcast where there's a link to my patreon and you can show your support uh through there but it is also optional and i want to thank you guys for listening to my podcast and until that until next episode stay safe and stay out of boredom